Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode six of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. This, as always, is your host, Tom, and this guest is going to be a very interesting one because not only is he an avid player of the game, but he has done graphics for the game. If you are a Sunless Con fan, you may have seen his FIFA mod. I am going to be talking to the creator of that mod. And first person mode, he created that. If you ever have questions about Bacchus mod, he's always sitting around that channel as well. Just an all around Bacchus mod expert. Cinderblock, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Heyo, thanks for that intro. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. I've been uh, super impressed with everything that you've added to the game outside of the actual game itself. And, you know, you've been very communicative and pleasant on Twitter and on Discord and the Bacchus Mod channel. So I thought, well, I saw on Twitter that you hit GC uh, very recently. So I was like, oh, this guy can play too. Let's have him on the show and, and chat some Rocket League. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how the game of Rocket League is treating you right now? Like, where are you at with your Rocket League game? Um, okay, so right now, I kind of feel like I've just started playing the game again. Um, as some people have said, once you hit Grand Champ, it's a totally new game. And all the old tricks that you tried using... Some of them still work, but for the most part, you got to come up with something new all the time. Um, so the hardest part is trying to break out of those old habits and, you know, not not even develop habits, I guess. Um, so instead of building up new habits, I feel like I've just got to constantly be on my toes uh, improvising. Sure. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, because obviously being grand champ, you had to get to grand champ and you started obviously bronze, silver, gold. What are, what are some of the things? Well, first you said tricks, you, your old tricks don't work. So what are some of the tricks that you've used to get to grand champ that you're finding don't really work anymore? Um, the bulk of my play style was just hit the ball as hard as you can. The problem with that is I would end up throwing the possession away to the other team a good portion of the game. Um, so that's that was basically all my play style was, which to some extent can work. You know, if you boom it over somebody who's pushing up too far, you can usually get a pretty easy goal. Um, but then again, if they push up too far and like fake a challenge and then you boom it back, well they have possession. So in terms of, you would say the possession is a bigger deal in Grand Champ. And did you not really experience that until you started playing more Grand Champs? Uh, I started experiencing that a little bit toward Champ 2 and Champ 3. Um, and especially when I'm watching RLCS, you know, you see Justin get the ball and right away he's got it on his car. He takes every 50 like a champ and just like a good champ not a not a champ one <laughs> right <laughs> um but he doesn't he doesn't just boom it away the second it gets to him um so as soon as i started incorporating a little bit of 
possessive play into my style, I just started flying up in MMR. It, it felt great. So when did you start doing that? Was it in that champ one, champ two range? Or did you start thinking about that before that and you just kind of made your way through the rest of the ranks? Um, I only started thinking about that actually a couple months ago. So I've been pretty lazy for the past uh, four, maybe five seasons. No, yeah, probably four seasons. I hit champ three and then just like didn't really do anything. You know, I didn't work to advance at all. I just kind of held my rank. And part of that was because of my play style. And another big part was I just really didn't play all that competitively. Um, so it wasn't until a couple months ago that I started trying to play more seriously and figuring out what was wrong with my play style. And I figured out, as most people have said, I needed to be more possessive. And as soon as I did that, I made the push. What was the unlock for you figuring out that it was possession that was holding you back? While I was on vacation, I obviously wasn't able to play the game. So I watched a lot of Rizzo uh, primarily. And I just, I guess just from watching him, I sort of by osmosis uh, implemented some of his play style into my own. I guess that's how I would say it. Um, and a big part of that was also that he would just kind of catch the ball and work with it instead of throwing it away from himself where he wouldn't have any sort of control. Um, and it was in that moment that I was like, oh, I don't, I don't do that. And I remembered so many moments where I'd not even really try to catch the ball, but even if it it came to me and I touched it, I'd hit it too far away from myself, too far away to regain any control. Um, and it would just get taken away from me. Was it his road to Grand Champ videos? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think he had started in bronze maybe at the very end of my vacation. So I, it was just kind of him and Sizz in general. Oh, okay. Cause his, and I, I think I've mentioned these videos on a previous episode, but his road to grand champ videos uh, that he did for twos were very helpful for me because, because he did focus so much on possession like he was he said so many times this person's going to pass the ball back to me they're basically going to hit it back to me and then i'm going to take possession and i'm going to try and dribble so he mm -hmm. talks so much about dribbling the ball and then what he would call like a pass to himself or a double touch where he would hit it off the sidewall and then catch it off the sidewall to continue the possession those two things have been invaluable and i think one thing that a lot of people don't think about in lots of different ranks is possessing the ball and and doing what you can to control the ball to beat your opponent to set yourself up for a good opportunity in the future definitely yeah so what are some things that you've taught yourself or you've learned over the past few months as you've been working on this possession mindset to 
better keep possession of the ball? Um, two things mainly. Um, the first one being just kind of how the ball interacts with the car when you're dribbling it. That's something that I had never really paid attention to before. It's, it's really nuanced, so it's kind of hard to describe, but a lot of things just finally kind of connected and now I can dribble, I can dribble the ball and pick up the ball to dribble it fairly quickly. Um, whereas previously I just, I didn't even bother because I was so bad at it. Um, and then the second thing is realizing how, um, how 50 fifties work a little more. I always thought it was the car that's moving fastest toward it is going to win out kind of like a Newton's cradle, but I don't think the game really works like that. And also seeing, um, halfway dead rocket sciences, uh, his video on getting powerful hits, some of the physics that he described in that also kind of connected to make me realize, Oh, you know, the, the physics aren't all real physics. There is some fake physics to it. So I've noticed, you know, again, going back to Justin, when he has the ball close to him, he doesn't boost forward really quickly into the ball or flip into it when he takes a 50. Sometimes he'll be moving really slowly and he'll just jump to hit the center of mass on the ball as somebody else comes to hit it as well. And he takes that 50 just fine, even though the other person was supersonic. So it's kind of a a weird thing that I've noticed that I'm trying to implement into my play style is not overreaching on a 50, just keeping it cool and kind of sitting there like a brick wall or a cinder block wall, if you will. <laughs> nice. I I'm see sorry. what you did that there. <laughs> no, that was 100% necessary and I appreciate it. Uh, I, I think 50-50s are extremely interesting as well. I mean, I, I've, th I've been thinking about them a lot in the most extreme case, which I would say are kickoffs. One thing that I talked about with Nito a lot was kickoffs, and she's primarily a ones player. So she talked a mm. lot about uh, kickoffs and how important they are. And if you check out her stream, she talks about kickoffs a lot because they really are just so important. And it's a huge 50-50 opportunity. And so many people will complain about kickoffs or don't like the kickoff or hate kickoff goals because, uh, you know, they don't think that they have any control over them. But you do. I mean, obviously, you can't control it as much as you would like, but there is a skill to it for sure. I've, I've actually gone back and looked at some of my old twos games and I've seen that. Um, within the first 45 seconds of maybe 60% of my twos games, I would go down 0-2 very quickly, like give up two goals, me and my teammate. And some of those I realized is because I would take the kickoff, give up a horrible kickoff setup for my teammate, like a huge pinch off the sidewall. I'm completely out of the play. And then it's two on one and my teammate just can't defend. And I would definitely look at that as a, as a 50 50 thing where it's something that I can directly be better to improve. If I understand how the physics plus fake physics work a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
be like fire burner. Oh yeah. Well, and, and that's another interesting thing. Like sometimes when I'm watching, you know, pros videos on YouTube, you'll see like squishy dribbling or dapper or Rizzo. They'll be dribbling the ball and they'll have somebody come in as fast as they can and challenge. And they'll just literally sit there and the ball will just bounce off them in their favor and yeah. you're like wait they mm-hmm. did literally nothing and sometimes if you have the ball set up and they're challenging from the right place you don't have to do anything and it will 100 percent be in your favor i've also noticed that if you let them hit it first if you know if you give yourself half a car's length away from the ball and they hit it into you they're a lot of the time going to fly past it and it's going to bounce forward in your favor. Even if you just sat there, mm-hmm. it doesn't work all the time. Obviously, you know, if they challenge high and they hit it into you, it could bounce back into them and then you get dunked. But if you approach it from the right direction and they're, I guess, approaching from the wrong direction, a lot of times you just sit there and they'll, they'll just feed you the pass. Right. And, and that's the thing, especially like right now, in twos i'm diamond three and challenges not every single time i don't want to discredit the players that i'm playing against because they are good uh sometimes challenges will just be rushing the ball as fast as you can and all you have to do is stop your car and jump a little bit and take the brunt of the hit that they put into the ball and then you can just go on as normal Mm -hmm. it I wish it were black and white. And of course, every little challenge and interaction is different. Uh, but if you actually, I would say, kind of like you have, start paying attention to them and try and learn when how things react when certain things happen, you really can start to take advantage of those situations. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So let's go back to the other thing that you said regarding dribbling and understanding, I guess, more generally ball control. So what was your process of getting more comfortable uh, controlling the ball and, and how that works with your car? Um, I'd say it would probably be two of Halfway Dead's videos, both of the ones about how the car uh, connects with the ball um, in reference to kind of the center of mass and how the ball gets pushed away based on what part of the car it's on, understanding the shape of the hitbox, which little plug, if you go to bucketsplugins.com, you can get a hitbox plugin, which in free play will show you the shape of your hitbox. Um, and that, that can help visualize what exactly is going on when the ball is hitting the air like a foot in front of your car. Um, huh. Just watching those videos and understanding how it, the hitbox is shaped, trying to piece those elements together in my mind to really understand if I pop the ball up just enough to catch it on my car, what speed should I be going? You know, Should I be exactly matching the ball? based on where it's hitting on my car? Should I be going a little bit faster, a little bit slower? Um, and that's that's why I said it's, it's kind of nuanced. It's it's something that takes a lot of practice, a lot of, uh, I, I guess I would say, watching people do the dribbling challenge. 
because you see a lot of popping the ball up and catching it in there. And that's where I practiced it as well is in the dribbling challenge, just popping it up, catching it smoothly, trying to maintain that smoothness throughout and just kind of through that practice, learning how to control it. Yeah. How would you say that your flicks are? Awful. Just terrible. <laughs> that's okay. something that I'm I'm working on now. So that's in, in process right now. Yeah. I've I've found that are you primarily dribbling the ball? Like are you taking control of it on the top of your car? Um, I don't hmm. I don't generally do that. Um, okay. for the most part, I'll kind of get it a little bit up on my car, except more on the nose so that it's, it starts falling off the front. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do mostly play threes and sometimes twos. And in that you sometimes have time to get it on top of your car. Most of the time you don't, um, I'd say like on top of the car, maybe that's a ones or a twos thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in threes, I just generally have it kind of toward the front of my car. So if I need to, I can hit the brakes, have it drop and take a 50 in front of me. Or I'll just drop it off to the side and try to hit it somewhere. I don't know where, because I don't know what I'm doing when I'm dribbling. <laughs> so the flicks haven't been a huge priority for you in terms of like, you don't see the necessity to execute them on a consistent basis in threes. I do now. Um, you definitely have to get a flick off pretty fast unless, uh, you know, unless your team kind of has control of the field and you aren't being challenged. Um, if you have control of the field and you aren't being challenged, then yeah, you can take your time, really set up a good flick. But like I said, my play style was always just hit the ball as soon as it comes to me, you know, (laughs) hit it just after the bounce. Well, if you're doing that, you're never going to catch it and dribble it. So the reason I don't know flicks is because I've I've just never brought that into my style of play until sure. recently. Yeah. And I found that and I'm trying to get better at that now, especially being able to get the ball onto my car where it needs to be so that I can flick it faster. Because mm-hmm. I can you can get the ball on top of your car quickly and it might be bouncing a little bit and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this especially with your understanding and kind of you paying attention to the hitbox and and the science of it and and looking at it from that point of view i'm much more visual and i could i would even almost say like feel like i can feel when the ball is about to fall off the front of my car or i can feel when i'm going too fast that the ball is coming uh you know, past the middle part of my car, I can, I almost have like a sense of that. And that's how I've been learning it. Uh, So I've been trying to find ways to settle the ball on the specific part of my car to do specific kinds of flicks faster, because I can't execute them fast. And, and the crazy thing of it is, I've been playing this game basically since launch of 2015. And it's just been in the past couple of months that I've been like, oh, if I put the ball here, when I jump, it stays on the top of my car. But then when the ball is just a little bit farther back, when I jump, 
it pops off my car. And then if it's yeah. a little bit farther forward, I can do a front flick and it goes high. But if it's a little bit farther forward, I can do a front flick and it might be a little faster, but it's lower. Like the intricacies, like you were saying, are just mm -hmm. incredible. And like getting power hits and being able to aerial, like all of those are one thing. But then when you think about the intricacies of how your car interacts with the ball in different places, I mean, I'm... I, I'm getting excited and mind boggled all at the same time right now, just talking about it. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear your experiences in, in, in your adventure and trying to figure out all, all that out for yourself right now. It, it all comes down to acceleration. Now I, I could be using all the wrong terms and halfway dead is going to kill me for it. But um, theoretically, if you have the ball perfectly centered above your car's center of mass, which I, believe is the same as its pivot point which isn't the center of the car it's i'd say maybe two-thirds to three-quarters of the way back from the front um and it's it's centered down the middle of the car when you say um, pivot point what do you mean so when you do like a front flip on your car or just when you're okay. rotating your car in general it um it will spin about a point that is not perfectly centered on the car got it okay uh, yeah so in in some of halfway dead's videos he pointed out that uh if the ball is directly above that center of mass the the car is going to be pushing it upward but it's not going to be pushing it forward to the side or backward at all so that's why the ball will be able to sit there perfectly and that's when it feels balanced as you're dribbling is when it's directly above that center of mass but if it rolls forward a little bit there's kind of a vector that is drawn from the center of mass to the point on the ball which starts pushing the ball even farther forward off the car um the the farther away sorry that vector also kind of acts, acts as a multiplier of force I'm halfway dead is going to kill me because I'm, I probably have so much of this wrong, but this is just my interpretation of it. Um, so if the ball is all the way on the very front edge of your hitbox, that vector from the center of mass to the ball is a lot longer, which means it's multiplying that force even more. And there isn't quite as much force pushing upward. There's a lot more force pushing forward. And that's an acceleration pushing forward. So what you need to do to get the ball from the very front of your car to that center of mass is you have to be accelerating underneath it, um, kind of accelerating faster than it is so that the ball will move backward to that center of mass. Did that work? No, it makes, it makes sense. And okay. I, it, it really does. And, uh, Please, it, please it, let me know on Twitter if anybody out there is is getting this as well, because I definitely get <laughs> it. It's just so interesting to me because like I I'd never think about this stuff in in terms of Rocket League. Like now that I'm thinking about it, it's almost like that scene in Beautiful Minds that has turned into this giant meme <laughs> with all the numbers and stuff floating around Yeah, like that. 
I'm almost turning into that for a second because like, I have never thought about it. I'm such a feel player um, that, but you talking about it, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And I understand how all of that is working. That's well, I'm crazy. Sure it would make a lot more sense if you were to watch both of halfway dead rocket sciences, um, both of his videos on how, the ball interacts with the car. Yeah, uh, I'll one of them to, is, I will link those in the show notes below for anybody that would like to see those and watch those. I have watched some of his videos and they are very interesting. Um, so I will link those below. Anyways, perfect. keep going. Yeah, I was just going to say um, in two of his videos, he kind of, he describes that, but with actual like data from the game instead of just kind of a weird visual of it that you tried describing through <laughs> verbs <laughs> through a through a podcast yeah i'm, right. I'm sure yeah, the, he... i'm sure the visuals and actual like charts and things help a lot to get that point across definitely definitely I, and then I just still... trying to apply it in game yeah i still appreciate you bringing that up though and that's the thing that i think is so interesting about this podcast not to like pat myself on the back or anything but like <laughs> here we are like two players of rocket league you know we're playing the same game and you're thinking about all this other stuff and i don't know like do you think about this stuff when you actually play the game like is this how you figure out how to do things or do you think with, about how those I, things interact like while you're playing with a new topic yeah um so like when i from the beginning i went from like bronze to gold fairly easily. And then I started watching the pros on YouTube. Um, and I loved it when they had a controller overlay because you can see exactly what inputs they did to do what that mechanic was. So I'll try to replicate that mechanic. And during that time, I'll focus on, okay, what were the inputs? How far away were, were they from the ball? how fast were they moving at that time? Just really try to piece together. Why did that mechanic work? And then I'll just practice it, thinking it, thinking about it like that for a long time until I've started to be able to replicate it on my own a few times. And that's, that's kind of the point at which the dots will connect and I'll, I'll understand it with my own intuition instead of, by trying to recreate the elements of what somebody else did. And that's when it goes from being, you know, thinking about the vectors and the this and the to becoming something that, like you said, it's a lot more of a feel. And that's where the nuances start coming in. Mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed that a lot myself. I've been working on, you know, ground to air dribbles, wall to air dribble, uh, being able to hit the ball as it's bouncing and turning that into an air dribble. And this is the same thing as just dribbling the ball on the ground. Like it, it really does. And I will take it even five steps more back from that in terms of a more basic skill is I noticed that when I was taking shots or when I was, uh, you know, putting a ball towards the goal, I was very often hitting the ball downward. I would hit the ball down to the ground on a very consistent basis. 
and I realized what I was doing. I was hitting on top of the ball and it's, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if this is just, I will be the first one to say that I was a very like my, I'm, I was a very mindless rocket league player. You know, you say your strategy was hit the ball hard. I would say, you know, I was hit the ball hard and just not think about anything. Like I literally just wanted to hit the ball. You just um, want to see it go fast. Yeah, I just want I to that. drive around and hit the ball. And I was hitting the ball down so often. And even, you know, on a good scoring opportunity with a wide open goal, I jump, hit the ball down and hit it right into the opponent and they get a save when the goal was right there. So one day it just dawned on me, if you don't hit down on the ball or you don't hit the top of the ball, the ball won't go down. If you hit the middle or even if you hit the bottom of it, it will go straight across or maybe even a little bit up. So I started yeah. practicing that. And all of a sudden, not only was I hitting the ball like in the upper 90, which is definitely a better place to be hitting it, or at least like in the middle height, I was getting more power on it too because I was consciously thinking about how to hit the ball and where to hit the ball not just, I'm going to hit the ball. And you bring up a good point. Um, that's one of the things that broke me out of one of my plateaus. Uh, I think that was around uh, maybe champ one to champ two, uh, that bridge that I had to cross. Um, there was one RLCS game that I was watching um, where the ball was going toward the wall just above the lower curve. And Garrett G went to approach it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've done this hit a million times. He's going to hit it low on the ground. And it's going to go toward the net. He blew my mind when suddenly the ball was going up toward the ceiling to where one of his teammates was. I just something about that just shattered my universe because I didn't realize that you could hit the ball up in that scenario. Like you said, I was always hitting the top of the ball or maybe the middle of the ball at best. And then I started watching more closely and I realized a lot of the time, like most of the time, pros are hitting the underside of the ball, popping it yes. high up into the air. Mm -hmm. And I'd always been hitting the top or the middle, which that just sends it right to the opponents. So if you hit the underside of it, that can give your teammates time to go up, receive the ball in the air, and it doesn't hit it straight into an opponent's nose. Right. And that's, that's a really solid point. And I think a, a really, really good tip is I feel like in most circumstances, and of course, again, this is not a black and white game. Like you have to take each situation as it presents itself. But I was just watching one of Squishy's new videos. He was playing twos with gimmick. And in two different situations, he specifically said, I'm going to hit the ball up here. And one of them was because he wanted to hit the ball to gimmick or set gimmick up for a shot. And then another one was so that he could delay the opponent from making a play, like mm -hmm. sending the ball, like people have to chase the ball up into the air and it delays the play from going one way or another. And it makes people chase after the ball as opposed to keeping it low to the ground where it's more, readily accessible to everyone and it gives you and your teammate or teammates time to 
recover and get into a more advantageous position. Exactly. Definitely. And I think another thing that I've been working on is being able to, again, with these air dribbles, getting into the air or hitting the ball forward onto the back wall so that you can get it to another teammate to set them up for a double touch or a read off the back wall or set yourself up for a read off the back wall. Both of the, I mean, there are not many things in Rocket, well, in pro Rocket League, like it's a standard now. So you always have somebody on the back wall. It's not as effective as it used to be, but where I'm at in Diamond 3, Champ 1, and probably still in Champ 2, being able to take the ball from the ground on a bounce and get it up in the air to the back wall or to be able to air dribble it and then read the back wall touch or just dribble it into the goal is extremely effective. And definitely to be able to do that, you have to understand not only like, again, kind of what we've been talking about hitting the ball on that bottom side of the ball, but then also how to angle your car and which part of the ball to touch with the car to be able to carry it that distance. Mm -hmm. Because another thing that I found is like, if you get a little too far under the ball while you're trying to dribble it, you'll just hit the very bottom, which sends it backwards. And then you've lost your possession of the ball. Uh, And then if you hit it like too much with the very front nose of your car, you hit it a little too hard, which again, I mean, you can keep possession, but it's the ball is no longer in your control. So it, it changes your next step. And you waste a lot of boost trying to catch up to it. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have as much of an advantage in that position as if you are just carrying it the whole way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and again, it, it almost, it doesn't necessarily unlock when you are coming into grand champ uh, because I'm thinking about this stuff even now, like I'm champ two in two or excuse me, threes diamond three div four in twos. It's the closest that I've ever been to champ in twos. So I know I'm thrilled about that. I've kind of, I'm, I'm definitely going to make sure that I get the rewards, but I'm going to spend as much of this season as possible, not playing games in threes and trying to get the rewards for champ in twos. I'm kind of like setting that limit on myself to see if I can do it because I've never been champ in twos. Anyways. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta challenge yourself, right? That's one of the things that I love about rocket league is the challenge of getting better all the time, but this isn't about me. I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't. Um, but I don't, I, I'd be curious to know people out there, you know, what ranks you are, uh, you know, so let me know. Feedback is great because this is stuff that I've been thinking about a lot. And if you are in any rank, even in champ two, because you cinder block even kind of said that you started thinking about this recently as a champ two and champ three, even like thinking about how you're hitting the ball, your execution on your touches and things of that nature. 
can really unlock a, a whole lot of potential in this game. So let's go back and talk a little bit about your journey. Uh, first of all, how many hours do you have in the game that Ooh. are like actual play hours? Right, yeah. Um, Steam says I have about 2,200. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say 50 hours of modding and maybe another 50 of just AFK. So I'm probably sitting right around 2,100 hours right now. All right. Nice. Do you... Did you start directly on PC? Did you do you have any console play? Uh, I did start on PC. Okay. I'm not sure why. Um, I think maybe a friend had like gifted it to me through Steam. Honestly, I don't remember. Um, because I I had a crappy laptop. My Xbox. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, wait! It doesn't work on Xbox 360, does it? No. Okay, that's why. Yeah, I had a 360, so I just got it, got it in college, and my roommate and I played it, and I raged at him, blamed him for everything. Still did that <laughs> up until uh, <laughs> a couple weeks ago when I finally started trying to focus on you know, the mentality of playing. But mm. yeah, I got it November 2015, so just a couple months or a couple weeks after the game had come out. Played it a bit, left it on the wayside in favor of Skyrim. Um, and then, uh, when was it? After I graduated, no, no, before I graduated, um, my next roommate and I, he and I played against bots all the time. We'd come home from school, um, we'd throw on Scrubs, How I Met Your Mother, that 70s show. We went through a lot of sitcoms while we were just playing Rocket League. Um, but there's only so much experience you can get against bots. Mm. And then once I graduated, I had nobody to play with against the bots and playing solo against the bots sucks. So, uh, I just tried playing online and it, it was the first game, the first competitive game that I had ever played. So that, I guess it's dopamine, that feeling from ranking up was just awesome it felt great i wasn't really working at the time because it was summer i had all day to play and play and play and suddenly i started ranking up and it just felt so great i think i hit plat and i was like wait a minute i'm actually getting good at this game <laughs> <laughs> as every plat thinks um but that was the fuel that i needed to keep going and I hit diamond and I was like, is there, is there some other competitive league that I can join? Um, so I started looking around and I found at the time it was minor league doubles. Now it's minor league esports. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it was, it was awesome. Do you um, still do that? I might next season. Um, nice. I did last season, but stopped partway through because I was just I was tilting too much and just wanted to spend more time working on modding. Sure. Um, and and tilt is something that 
I, I'd like to get back to later because I've been trying to work on that. Yeah, um, I would love to talk about that. So keep going, and then we can we can talk about tilt because I think it's uh, I think it's fascinating. Oh, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So I joined MLE. My boy Ace Pocket picked me up on the Hurricanes, and at that time I was at the time that he picked me up, I was one game away from deranking into plat in all of my playlists, which would have put me in the Academy League. Or was it Academy at the time? I think it was Academy League. Um, so he picked me up, thankfully, one game before I dropped out of the Champ League. And I went from, over that 14-week season, I went from barely Diamond 1 and ended like a couple hours after getting swept in the grand finals. <laughs> um, just a couple hours after that, I hit champ three. So in the span of 14 to 17 weeks through playing with these other people, uh, which I hadn't done before, I'd always solo queued up to that point, playing with these other people, really diving into the competition and learning how to get better. That pushed me up like six ranks. And it just, it was a great feeling. Wow. So first of all, uh, shout out to minor league esports. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that establishment and that group of folks. Um, and I mean, if you're thinking about getting better, what a great endorsement of a place that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a great community of people as well. You know, it's, they kind of talk about how they're kind of a family which is great. Yeah, I I actually did some tryouts maybe a year ago when they were starting, just about to get into the draft of one of their seasons, and I didn't end up getting drafted by anybody and then just kind of fell off of like doing Rocket League things too seriously, but I think that I think that would be really enjoyable to get back into. I've I've been thinking about doing that or like the indie gaming league or something like that. But I think you just saying that having these consistent group of people to play with could be a really uh fun way to continue to grow or learn things about the game. What mm -hmm. was it about um playing with these guys or maybe go a little bit more in depth about what you learned or what you were doing, uh, that helped you make such a large change in a short amount of time. The thing about being on a team as opposed to solo queuing is that for the first time, I finally had people that I was playing with at my level who I could talk to while I was playing. Uh, when you're solo queuing, it's just kind of a, a soulless robot for a teammate with an, a custom name. That was pretty much it. Um, they could have a easy to work with play style or an annoying play style, but it, it was never fun. You know, it, it was always fun. The competition was fun, but I could never just kind of mess around with my teammate. So when I joined a team, it, it kind of opened a whole whole new world where I could hang out with the person that I was playing with 
and we could just have fun. Uh, we didn't always have to win. But I think because we were having fun, we didn't overthink things. And so by extension, we would win a lot. And we started getting a good record in the season. And I just wanted to get an even better record. So um, on my own, when I was solo queuing, I was always trying to think of what I was doing wrong and trying to trying to learn new mechanics. And this was this was right in the um, right in the steep slope part of a not a bell curve, I guess an S curve, um, you know, where you're learning a lot in a short time. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't just kind of casually playing, you know, I was always seriously playing and seriously working to get better. And being in a league that had stakes, you know, you've got playoffs and finals and grand finals, something that had a tangible end goal to it, a deadline. It really pushed me to, sorry. It really pushed me to try my hardest to get to that end goal. Whereas, you know, with ranked, the end goal is grand champ, but then grand champ is like an extra 500 MMR. So you never really hit this kind of achievable goal where you could lift a metaphorical trophy because I don't think the MLE has any trophies, but it, it felt good to push toward this, this goal of getting into playoffs where you're one of the last men standing and then through playoffs, pushing your way into the grand finals. And I just, I wanted to do that because it looked fun. Did you grow up a competitive person? No, no. My brother was. And (laughs) he always wanted me to be competitive, but I never was. So, um, yeah, as Rocket League has changed my life in many ways. The biggest one was teaching me how to be competitive. Are you competitive in other things now because of Rocket League or does it really only show up in the game or do you still consider yourself competitive? Um, Or do you consider yourself competitive now? Yes, I definitely consider myself competitive now. I might have been competitive as a kid, but I just didn't have kind of the key features that I could identify as being competitive. But these days, absolutely, I am a little too competitive. (laughs) Nice. So what were some of those mechanics or things that you picked up along the way in that season of minor league doubles that helped you grow from platinum to champ three? Like what were, what were the kind of top three things that really stuck out to you? Uh, um, going through a double tap playground playlist, um, custom training pack that taught me so much about how contact with the ball works. Um, so I'd say that was the biggest thing that I learned throughout the diamond one to champ three phase was just generally how striking contact with the ball works. It was never just kind of a, 
theoretical, I guess if I hit the ball like this, it'll do that. It was a, I know if I hit the ball like this, it will do that. Um, so that was the first thing. I guess the second thing was maybe, yeah, okay. The second thing was field awareness, understanding where your opponents are, where the where they'll be challenging from, and the same for your teammates, where they are and where hopefully they should be approaching from or going to. And for a third thing... Uh, hmm. And if there isn't a third, that's fine too. I mean, I guess the third thing I would say is just kind of core mechanics in general. Uh, movement yeah. around, okay, movement around the field. Um, Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, and that's that's one that everybody takes for granted when you're watching a pro or something, and few people look at. But that was one of the things that for a while I paid a lot of attention to was how does this pro get from that place to that place so fast after they had just gotten bumped or how do they do that with no boost? And so I started watching their general movement, not when they're approaching the ball or anything like that, just how far back do they rotate? Um, why, why did they skip past that boost when I would have gone for that boost? Um, that was honestly, that might've been the most critical thing that I paid attention to was, uh, just movement. So that's, that's really interesting that you say that. Um, and I'm trying to write down everything that I'm thinking about because there's so much there. I, I feel like when people comment online and I don't, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm going to say I don't mean to throw shade on the internet and I'm kind of throwing <laughs> shade on the internet, but so often you'll see somebody say like, Oh, this is champ two. I'm plat two. And I feel like my games are tougher than this. And I feel like it's really easy to take for granted, uh, the speed at which pros play at, because you can't really tell how fast you're going. They're going in the game because it's just following them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? See, yeah. You don't see all the thoughts and predictions that are going on in their head. Also for, true. Yeah. For you personally, you know, you might be just watching some guy in the back of the field driving around instead of watching the ball. Um, if you're watching one of the pros videos and be like, oh, that guy's going to challenge and win this. You know, he's going to dunk the pro that I'm watching. And I saw it from a mile away. I don't know how the pro didn't see it. Well, the pro was looking at the other two guys who seemed to be a, a bigger threat. Um, but you know, it like you were saying, it's just it's it's really hard to see exactly what the pro is seeing and all the things that they're thinking about in that time because they're the one in the stressful environment and you're not. Right. You can sit back, sipping coffee, and right. armchair judging. It's I almost equated to like watching a NASCAR race. Like when you're watching a NASCAR race and everybody's going however fast they go, I'm not exactly sure how fast NASCAR races are. It doesn't 
really look that fast because everybody's doing it and the cameras are just following them. Mm-hmm. But then when you're actually in it, uh, it feels completely different. Like I just was playing, uh, a, I was playing some games yesterday or the day before, and I can't remember. I don't think I think I had fallen back into Diamond Two. I don't want to say fallen. I was in. <laughs> Di- I was back in Diamond Two at that point, and me and a guy got. R- paired up against a team and it ended up that one of them was diamond two and the other was diamond one. So my teammate was diamond one. And at the end of the game or like he got scored on because he, he just sat in net a lot all game. Like he would rotate all the way back and then he would kind of just sit in net and wait for opportunities. It was clear that like he, he was playing extremely conservative and he got scored on because A guy was maybe, he was in our defensive half, maybe like halfway, uh, you know that side boost, halfway in between the corner boost and the side full boost? There's the little pad out there on the side. Mm -hmm. So he was about right there, our opponent was, with the ball. And coming, he had control of the ball and was coming towards our net. My, uh, My teammate was just sitting in the net, so the ball bounced once. And then our opponent just put a boomer on goal and it just went right above my teammate. Uh, And I mean, I never hold anything against my teammates. I was saying out loud, you need to challenge, you need to challenge. Uh, And he didn't challenge and we got scored on. And I just said, hey, are you open to a tip? And he, he was like, what's the tip? And I didn't really get to talk to him about it during the game because it was a really intense game. And we ended up winning it. Just want to throw that out there. Good, but like good. after the game, thank you. I was like, or I think somewhere in the middle of the game, I said, you could have challenged on that first goal because I mean, that would have been the better thing to do because it's always, in my opinion, again, black and white. It's a very gray game. It's always better to challenge than not challenge. Um, you know, more often than not, you want to make them make a decision. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. And he, I said, it just felt like you were playing extremely conservative. And he said, yeah, I, that's because I am playing conservative. I just got into diamond one for the first time. And this is just so much faster. I didn't want to feel like I was getting lost. Oh yeah. And it was just so interesting because most of my friends that I play with when I'm playing with friends, they're champ three or grand champ. And so like I'm used to fast diamond two twos isn't fast to me at all. It's more me making mistakes while I'm still in diamond two. So like that's all that to say, like you don't feel the speed of a game until you're actually in that game. Like I feel like I can play as good as a pro because I watch pros all the time and it seems straightforward but if I was put into one of those games, I'd be in way above my head. Yeah. And I, I even think the same thing. Um, I'm like, oh, you know, I've been I've been watching them. I've seen them make some of the mistakes that I make. I see them hit some of the things that I hit. But the difference is I'll hit that five out of ten times, and they'll hit that nine out of ten times. And that mistake, they'll do that one out of 10 times and I'll do that 
four out of 10 times. The, the extra one for me is, I don't know what happened, but a thing happened. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's that grand platinum mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm, I'm going way off track here. I don't know. I think you're, I'm, I'm right there with you because yeah. I, I think with pros, not only can they play at that speed, like I think grand champs, well, no, I'm going to take that back. There is definitely a difference in between speed because, you know, I see Squishy play grand champs in his YouTube videos and Rizzo and all those guys. And there's definitely still a speed difference in between a pro and a grand champ. Oh, that makes uh, them look like kids. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And then on top of that, when a pro goes to hit the ball, they hit it exactly how they want to, like you said, eight out of 10 times. Like if Squishy wants to hit the ball up into the air to be able to follow it or Justin, you know, or I mean, any pro really, they hit the ball where they want to hit the ball and they know how they want to hit the ball to actually do it. And then it happens. Whereas Mm -hmm. like I've seen some grand champs, you know, that still miss sometimes just completely miss. And like, there's still such a huge difference. So I, I totally get what you're saying in terms of not just speed, but also mechanics. There's still a lot of a skill gap there. Yeah. And there was, there was something else that I had written down and I, can't remember what it was, which is unfortunate, but let's talk about this. So, okay. So you're, what playlists are you actually grand champion? Is it just one or do you have multiple? Um, last season, I only made the push toward the very end of the season and that was okay. only in threes. Okay. So I've gotten close in twos, but I haven't made the push in that one yet. Probably this Haven't. season. Hopefully nice. this season. Okay. So as a potentially dual playlist grand champ, what are some of the things that you see in your game right now that you would say were immediate gaps that you would like to fill so you can make the next step forward in your Rocket League game? Um, possession and mindset. Those currently are the two that I can think of. Um, possession, particularly... Oh, wow. I botched that <laughs> word. <laughs> possession, particularly in twos, since you have so much of the field to work with. Um, and just mindset overall. Um, not getting tilted by expecting something and then something else happens, or not getting tilted by taking things personally like a demo um yeah so just possession and mindset okay so let's talk about possession a little bit more because the thing that came to me i don't know if you play ones at all um i i really realized how important possession was when i would be able to score four or five goals in a ones game, but then my opponent would score eight or nine 
Like it was just ridiculous how much offense I was giving up in a five minute game of rocket league. And I realized like when my opponent came into possession of the ball, I just kind of like let them have that possession. And that's where I really started to think about changing my mindset around possession in rocket league. So, uh, if, if you think you can break down a little bit, uh, in terms of how you keep possession right now in a twos game and how you would like to elevate that to be better moving forward. Um, first touch is the key to a whole possession. If you hit the ball too far away on a first touch, you're just giving it to the other team. And I'm not, I'm not talking about like booming it away. I'm talking like you try to catch it and it goes three car lengths away from you, well, you've lost control and your opponent has it. GG. <laughs> um, so I'd say maybe at, at most when you try to get possession, maybe only let the ball get about two car lengths in front of you before you catch back up to it. Because um, you need to be able to take a 50. You need to be able to, if possible weave your way around an opponent or drop the ball and fake them. Um, and my current problem is, you know, seven out of 10 times I'll hit the ball three or more car lengths away from me when I try to catch it or two, I might just miss the hit or three. I might catch it on like the backside of my car and suddenly it's a car length behind me. And all my opponent has to do is jump over me and score a goal. And there's just nothing I can do. Um, so yeah, possession, keeping it within what I call the Pac-Man of possession. Um, if you think of Pac-Man like centered on your car with the open mouth pointing toward the goal, toward your own goal, um, you only want the ball to stay within the colored part of the pac-man um you don't want it going outside the bounds of pac-man and you don't also you also don't want it going within pac-man's mouth just keep it close within a certain radius and you should be pretty good be able to stop pretty much anything unless you just get a really unfortunate dunk explain that to me one more time this <laughs> pac-man thing i don't know that i caught it completely so i want to hear it one more time Okay. Um, yeah, it would be so much easier to explain visually, so I'll, I'll try to do it through words again. Um, let me think. Okay, so you know Pac-Man, right? Yes. L little circle with a piece of the pie cut out. Yeah. The tip of that triangle is centered on your car with the open part of the mouth pointing toward your goal at all times. By your goal, you mean the one I'm defending? Yeah, the one that you're defending. Okay. Um, you want the ball to be pretty much anywhere within the yellow part. Now, imagine Pac-Man has his mouth open pretty wide um, because you you know you don't want the ball getting behind you at any point. Right. But you can kind of let it get to either side of you a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you just you want to keep it within the yellow part. So 
part of Pac-Man as well is, you know, he's a circle and a circle has a radius, which comes from the center of your car. I'd say that radius of that circle should probably be one to two car lengths is about as far as you want the ball to get away from you. I see. Okay. You want to keep possession. Um, and you just don't want it getting in the mouth because that's behind you and you're just kind of screwed if that happens. So it's like your possession safe zone. Yeah. Your yeah, possession exactly. zone. That's a, a good word for it. <laughs> that's an interesting a, way of looking at it. Better than Pac-Man. No, I, it, I just was a little fuzzy on couple, a couple of the specifics. It's the Pac-Man zone. So you can eat up the ball. Except the Pac-Man is backwards, so might not necessarily work completely. But I get it. Like possession is extremely important, and it didn't really, it really, really clicked when Rizzo talked about it. Basically, every episode in that yeah. Road to Grand Champ series, and it, I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast, I I hope that most people that listen to this podcast have watched those videos. Uh, and I will post down like the the whole playlist down below uh, yeah, call because those... I. Sorry, what? No, go ahead. I'd call those the best Road to Grand Grand Champ videos that maybe anybody has put out because he was very informative. He wasn't just going in and stomping. He was doing some pretty basic mechanics, some fundamental mechanics, but he was doing them well and explaining when to do them. And I think mm -hmm. that's crucial for players trying to work their way up to Grand Champ. Yeah, I think really any player that watched those could make some very uh, significant uh, growth steps in their game by just watching what he did and enacting that that plan. Um just whether it's being more patient, letting the ball come to you, taking possession. I mean, possession is nine-tenths of the law. They say that for a reason. Possession is important in all sports, which what is what Rocket League is, is so important because when you have possession of the ball, that is when you have the opportunity to score and your opponent can't do anything because they don't have the ball. So mm -hmm. it's it's huge. And he talks about it so often and then when you have possession, how to utilize it effectively instead of just giving the ball away. Yeah. So it's it's huge. If you have not watched those, again, I'll post them down below. Uh, extremely effective and, and very helpful learning-wise. So check that out if you haven't already. And to put a cherry on top of this episode, let's talk about everybody's most favorite part of the game of rocket league which is tilting so <laughs> share share your experience with me on that and then and then i'll talk a little bit about it as well i'm i'm curious to hear where you're coming from though so starting in mle which is when i really started um meeting some real challenges in the game that's when I really started to tilt and a few people can attest to that. And uh, ever since then, I've had that issue and I've never really tried working at it until just the past week or two. 
Um, and I think a lot of that stems personally because I never was a competitive player uh, when I was a kid. I never really learned how to get over a loss. Never, never learned that a lot of times something that happens in the game, you're expecting one thing to happen and something else happens. That would get under my skin a lot. And most importantly, I would take things personally. Um, so, you know, let's say I'm sitting in the net for too long and I get demoed four times in the game. Well, previously, I would think this person's targeting me. You know, it's a personal attack. Why are they doing this? It would get under my skin, get in my head, and then I'd just start spiraling down. When in reality, it was my fault. You know, I'm sitting in the net. They're making the play that they need to make because I'm the moron sitting in the net. So, you know, it was just free real estate to demo me. And finally, it just, it just kind of boiled to a head where I just, I didn't really want to play anymore because I play five minutes and immediately be tilted. So I finally was like, all right, I, I need to do something about this. This is a huge problem and it has been for way too long. So I just looked online, um, just at anger management in sports, you know, read some Reddit posts from people who had been through similar things, tried to read some articles from psychologists. And it, it was those two things for me personally that stuck out the don't take it personally and just kind of don't expect anything, you know, tilting the base of what could cause somebody to tilt, I would assume differs from person to person. So I'd recommend you know, doing the same thing, read through a lot of posts about what aspect of competition pisses you off and try to nail down what those things are for yourself and then try to craft a mindset to counteract those things. So what I'll do now is if I feel like somebody has made a personal attack on me, typically with a demo or a bump, I'll just kind of tell myself, and, you know, it, it wasn't a personal attack. It was just, just business, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're just playing their game. Exactly. And, you know, maybe they're not mad at me. Maybe they're just kind of mad in general and just wanted to blow something up. Whatever. You know, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to piss me off. Mm-hmm. And then um, managing expectations my boys Rama and Bandicoot can definitely attest to my my tilt because of expectations. Um, you know, I, I keep hitting the ball to a random spot, driving up onto a wall upfield and just expecting them to hit it to me without even saying, hey, I'm at this position or without even looking at where the opponents are and realizing that the opponents are closer to the ball. And then I'd get mad because either Bandy or Rama didn't hit the ball to me and they got dunked instead. And the net was open because that's where I was supposed to be. And I'd get mad because I was expecting one thing and then the reality was different. I wasn't hitting the ball and then reading what could happen and trying to find the best thing. I was just expecting, well, I hit the ball, so they should hit it to me. 
and that's that's a terrible mindset to have um yeah like like i would watch pros pro teams get absolutely smacked and then you know they're like all smiles congratulating the other team and i just i kept trying to figure out what are they what are they doing how are they how are they doing that getting annihilated in a best of seven series and still being good sports about it and (laughs) you know i think they've learned their own mindset and how to not tilt themselves obviously tilt still comes in now and then even if you have the strongest mindset but if you have something that works for you something that you can tell yourself i think that does wonders Oh yeah, and I I think that again there there's always two sides to each coin. Like if something makes you angry, and I I think it's so cool that you took the time. And quite honestly, based on our conversation over the past hour, I'm not at all surprised that you made the effort to go out and like find articles <laughs> and and look at Reddit and find those things out there. Uh, I would. I would so encourage others to do that same thing. Um, When I really started taking this game seriously back in January and started to, you know, wanting to produce content and things of that nature, uh, I've gone through some of my biggest struggles ever with the game and just life in general because of the challenges that were in front of me and when I wasn't necessarily playing up to the level that I wanted to, uh, you know, it would be very frustrating and I would get really angry and, you know, got to the point many times, like, I'm just going to give up. I'm not going to play Rocket League anymore. This isn't, this isn't worth it. So it, yeah, I mean, I've certainly thought about it and I've loved this game since it launched. Uh, so I knew times. I really, you've gone as far as uninstalling. Hey, yeah, I'd say maybe four times, but that was like, oh, until, wow. like, champ one i think after that point i had too many mods installed so i didn't want to do it (laughs) didn't want to deal with that again that's fair yeah so i guess to i can get a little wordy sometimes so i just want to be concise and say that there's there's always another side of that coin like if you're getting really frustrated and angry at something there's another way to look at it that can be positive uplifting and and even a motivating thing in the game of Rocket League. So go to the next step and in, in talking about this expectations and how that would tilt you. How did you change your perspective and how has that changed the way that you play Rocket League now? Uh, really, the only way that I changed my perspective was gaining awareness of what my triggers were or just awareness in general of when I'm starting to tilt. Um, you know, when I'm playing with, it would, it was usually Rama. He would, he would start being like, yeah, you're not coming back from this. Are you? <laughs> and, and you know, that would make me mad, but now I can laugh about it. Cause it's like, you, you know, he had a point. I, I wasn't aware of when I was starting to tilt until suddenly I was just diving into the next game already fuming and of course I'm going to lose that. There's no way you're going to win the next game if you're even starting to get slightly met. Like I said before, you have to be able to 
improvise and stay on your toes. And if you start tilting, you're just going to go back into habits and get clapped, which is going to tilt you even more. Um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. My question I got started on it, and, and I just no, lost it. It was fine. That was a that was a really good rant. There was a lot of value there, and uh, my question was more specifically about uh, when you would get angry or tilted because of expectation. So, like your example, you would hit the ball. And then you would go up on the wall expecting your teammate to hit it to you. And then when they didn't, you would get mad about that. So how have you shifted? How do you look at the game differently uh, so that you don't have that expectations? How do you look at the game now so that you you enjoy it more or shifted to a, like a more positive mentality around expectation or how you deal with expectation or not have expectation? What does that look like for you now? Yeah, so like I said toward the beginning, it it feels like a new game now. It feels like I'm playing it for the first time because now I'm I'm realizing that I know nothing about the game. I have so much that I need to learn. So I'm starting to feel just as fresh as I did during that Diamond 1 to Champ 3 push because I I realize now that there is so much to learn. The problem was during that like four or five season lazy hiatus, I plateaued so hard and just felt like I knew everything about the game already. And that's where the expectations came in big time was because I thought, oh, I'm the only person on this field who knows what he's doing. Everybody else should be doing this. And that leaves you no room for growth. And that's what causes expectations is thinking, you know, what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. There's no way like it could be the slightest ping difference that could totally subvert your expectations. You just, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and that's, that's what I'm trying to focus on now is understanding that I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to, look at the situation as it is and try to do what's best in that situation and try to be creative and think of what I should do. Obviously you're supposed to try expecting what your opponents will do, but you need to not in the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, think my opponent's going to do something that I don't expect. And that's just kind of, what I've changed to is an understanding that I know nothing. Yeah. So I would say if I could, if I could synthesize that down, it's almost like you went from a place of practicing expectation to practicing anticipation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah. And it's, it's so different. I, I, I really appreciate and, and am happy for you that you have been able to make that shift. One thing it's, it's the same thing again, you know, it's kind of funny that we've had this multiple times, uh, just in this, in this conversation, when I realized for myself that both Though me and my teammate are on a team, 
we're both doing whatever we can to play the best game that we can. And somehow we have to figure out how to do that together. And I have no control over my teammate. So all I can do is the best that I can with whatever he or she does. So like, again, you can't expect anything. And the word that comes to my mind for me personally is surrendering to the situation. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just have to be in whatever is going to happen because that's the only way I'm going to be as effective as I can be and just go with the flow. Like if you are unwilling to go with the flow, then you're screwed from the get go. Like basically I would say you're tilted if you're unwilling to go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Thank you. So, yeah. And I, I think it's really interesting. Um, this idea of almost, I wouldn't even call it tilted. It's not, it's not tilted because you're not necessarily angry. I would say it's not the optimal mindset to play a game like Rocket League in. I don't I don't want to upset people by telling them that they're tilted. I will say that um in in my opinion, personally this is just my opinion and I'm I would say that I'm very passionate about this opinion. I'm a little stubborn is that if you are not willing to work around your teammate uh, in the game of Rocket League or teammates, if you're playing threes, then you are not setting yourself up for the most success possible because on the field, the only person that you're in control of is yourself. Like you cannot control your teammates. So again, like having expectation or wanting them to do a certain thing, it's just not going to happen. So Mm -hmm. like having expectations or, you know, thinking they should do a certain thing because it's your idea of the quote unquote right thing. I would just get over that because you will win more games and you will have a lot more fun. And at the end of the day, it's a game and you should be having fun. Absolutely. And the thrill of competition comes from trying to adapt with what's being adapt to what's being thrown at you instead of just saying, this is what works. I'm going to do it. You have to you have to get creative. That is such a good point. You you just blew my mind right there. <laughs> that's that's a million dollars worth of value in a free hour and a half podcast. Thanks. Where can I, I mean, cash that out? Uh in in the imaginary bank that is <laughs> on the boardwalk in Salty Shores. Dang it. If you I can find a way to get there, your check is waiting for you. Cool. Um, okay. Well, I feel like that's a very nice, positive, uplifting point to to kind of start winding down um, again. So, like when you're playing with people, do they do the cinder block is a lot to say all the time. Do people call you block or CB or like is it? Cindy, just Cinder. Cinder, okay. Mm -hmm. I can. Cindy would be kind of interesting. (laughs) Cinder. So I, I would just like to say thank you again for your willingness to come on. As soon as I can, as soon as I saw that tweet, like I said at the beginning of the show about you hitting Grand Champ and sharing that, I was like, 
duh, this guy would be a perfect guy to not only like feature on the podcast, because I think what you're doing for the community is awesome. But then also just to hear a little bit more about your journey to grand champ and how you think about the game. And, uh, I am so happy that I did because the, the conversation has been fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing your time with me. Yeah. Thanks, man. I I really appreciate the offer to come on here. So, uh, I'm going to try, uh, I'm going to do something that I always do. And then I'm going to try something new as well. So first off, um, if people, well, why don't you two things, any final thoughts for kind of putting a little bow on the show. And then after that, if people wanted to be able to follow what you have going on, because if you do not follow this guy on Twitter already, I strongly recommend it because he's doing so many cool things with Rocket League. I mean, you've already seen it probably with Sunless Khan's uh, FIFA video, uh, but if you want to keep tabs on all the other cool things that he has going on, uh, he'll let you know where to find him and they'll be in the show notes. But Final thoughts about the game of Rocket League and then where people can find you on the internets. Uh, I guess my final thought would be just try to find the fun in the game. Uh, Don't take it too seriously. And just by having fun, you'll most likely get better. And to where, as to where you can find me, um, I'm pretty much only active on Twitter or Discord. On Twitter, it's cinderblockcb. And on Discord, if you're in the Bacchusmod server, I'm one of the moderators there. So you can come say hi if you want. What is the CB for after Cinderblock? It's just for Cinderblock. (laughs) One day I'll try to get the actual Cinderblock uh, handle, but it's currently taken. Because Cinderblock was already taken. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Someday maybe <laughs> i i have my fingers crossed for you we'll we'll figure it out we'll make it happen thanks man uh and then final thing that i would like to start doing is i just to work on getting a little bit more interaction with the guests and the people out there listening to the show cinder i'd like you to ask a question of the show so a question out to the audience of chasing grand champ anything that you can think of what would a question you have for the audience be oh boy Uh, i know i'm putting you on the spot here you gotta cut out this really long pause to make it sound like i was on my feet right (laughs) of course Mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. yeah so my question would be what are the two weakest points of your game currently? And what can you do to work on those? Nice. Cool. That's a great question. Make sure to at me and Cinderblock CB both on Twitter with that and use the hashtag chasing GC. One of those. We'll keep track of it one way or another. And let us know. I think uh, that's a great question because the more we think about how we're playing Rocket League, the more opportunity we have to get better. Yeah, yeah.
cool. Well, before I call it quits on this episode again, Cinder Block, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank I you. I look forward to, oh yeah, it's my pleasure. I look forward to putting this out into the world. Uh, I think, again, it's just another great addition to the podcast. And again, guys, make sure to answer that question. Get in touch with us uh, on on the Twitter. That's what I would consider like the best place um, to talk Rocket League. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. But also, you can find the show anywhere uh, that podcasts are sold. And of course, they're sold for free. You don't have to pay to listen to this. But then another thing, and it has yet to happen, and I'm going to keep on pushing it, pushing it until it happens. And I should say it at the beginning of the show, I don't know how many people are getting to this point. I hope some people actually are. But <laughs> Download the Anchor app. This is really cool. You can download the Anchor app either on the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find Chasing Grand Champ podcast on there, and you can actually leave me a voice memo there. And uh, it's just really cool. It could be a question for a future guest. Here's what we'll do. I will pick two of the... I, okay, so Cinder just asked her a great question. If you send me a voice memo with your answer to the question, I will play it at the beginning of the next show. So there is an opportunity to get to be a part of the Grand Champ Chasing Grand Champ podcast if you answer the question by sending me a voice memo on the Anchor app. I hope this works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So respond to me there, send me a voice memo, answer the question. It'll be really cool. And hopefully if there's a bunch, maybe I will just play them on Twitter as like a video. If there's just one, it will I will definitely put at least one at the beginning of the show next week. So take the time to do that. I think it's really cool. And I would love to hear directly from you guys. Uh, and of course, follow the show on Twitter. Well, the show doesn't have a Twitter anymore. Follow me on Twitter at I Wanted Just Tom. I'm always down for a conversation in terms of Rocket League or whatever. But yeah, just download that app and talk to me. I think you can even go to anchor.fm slash chasinggc and upload a response if you want to record it right on your computer. You can upload it. I haven't tried it, but I think you can do that. Just do it. I'm begging you. Please, 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 please. And uh, what did, what was that? I said do it. I want to hear people's responses. Yeah, yeah. We both want to hear. Do it. Don't let us down. Anyways, I'm going to stop ranting. Cinder, thank you again so much for joining me. It was so, so, so much fun. I'm cutting it there. Have a good one. All right, nice. That was good. Cool. That was a lot of fun. And